Good morning and welcome to Recipe for Success. My name is Nancy Giacalone and today's guest is Elaine Horton. Um, for any of you that have been watching for a while, you know that the uh, intent of this podcast is to combine my love of cooking with my love of business, personal development, marketing. Actually, I just have kind of a curious mind. But one of the things that I have learned over time is that there's always one key ingredient or technique to a person's success or even to the success of a batch of cookies. So um, I really like to talk to people and find out what motivates them, what drives them and what has helped them succeed. Last week, um, I was at the Benefits Pro Conference in San Diego, California, and I had the absolute pleasure of meeting Elaine Horton. As I mentioned in the um, preview of the show, she is what I would consider to be a rising star. Maybe not a rising star, maybe a skyrocketing star. I see so much ahead for her. So um, Elaine, please introduce yourself and kind of tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nancy, thanks for having me on. Um, it's great to get to talk to you guys today. So a little bit about myself. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about my uh you know, the, the core of myself, my strengths, et cetera, and then a bit about my career history and how I ended up at Benefits Pro last, last week. Perfect. Um, so at the core, I'm an activator, responsibility, developer, futuristic, and relator. So if you know the Clifton Strengths Finders, that's me. So I'm in the influencing campaign area of that. And uh, basically it means, and my mom would say the same thing, Elaine likes to get things done. Um, <laughs> so I'll say like when I was in fourth grade, uh, my sister and I, we started a newspaper. Uh, why do you need a newspaper in fourth grade? I don't know, but we actually started a club at our school to make a newspaper. It's called the Old Town Times. Um, and then even tracing up into high school, um, you can't tell necessarily by sitting here, but Nancy saw me in person. I, I'm a short statured uh, woman, so I'm about five foot one. Uh, and that's maybe even a tiny bit of a stretch. Uh, and I love volleyball. And I live down here in Texas, in Austin, Texas. And I was like, volleyball is my thing. Um, I should have gone with swimming or running or something because in volleyball, you just have a major advantage if you're tall. But for whatever reason, that's what I wanted to do. And so uh, I, I pushed myself to, to learn volleyball, to get strong at it. I remember doing push-ups in the morning because I wanted to do the overhand serve. Um, and I fought for that spot on the varsity team um, in senior year. I got to be captain. And while I wasn't the best player, um, uh, it was the heart. I got the Dragon Heart Award. So that's a little bit about my core, about me, about pushing those boundaries. And maybe sometimes even... Uh, being a little uh, to, to maybe a fault of this is the way I need to go. I'm going to push that way versus like, maybe I should just try soccer. I mean, really? But, um, so anyways, going off to how I got here is I have background in um, healthcare on the business side across a number of different areas. Starting, um, I, I went to University of Texas at Austin. I got a degree in finance and I did investment banking. And then I went into management consulting with Deloitte. And with Deloitte, I navigated my way to be in the healthcare practice because I knew from reading newspapers since I was a kid to my twin sister becoming a clinician and something in my heart and my calling just said, hey, the worst day of my life is going to be when I'm in some hospital um, waiting room 
And I know that not only is that terrible for what's going on with my family member in the hospital room, but also knowing me, because I'm a money person, I'm going to be thinking about the bill and how terrible is that? So if I'm not being called to work on the blood and the gut side of healthcare, I want to work on that money side of healthcare because I know that's going to be the worst day of my life and many of people in my family. Um, so I navigated at Deloitte to be on healthcare clients and got a great foundational experience in management consulting um, with the strategy group there in healthcare. From there, I went on to an academic medical center here in Austin. It was one of the first new academic medical centers with Dell Medical School. Some of the folks in the benefits industry might be familiar with them. Um, a lot of value-based care initiatives, um, et cetera, with that uh, rising group. So I got to be on the ground floor and really worked as a business liaison with a number of different providers from every specialty of muscular skeletal to the hospitalist, to pediatric, to neurology, to women's health. And I also worked on the payer side and did uh, the negotiated contracts for the contracted rates for how we would get paid in the clinical enterprise. And not only just a percentage of Medicare, but we did some um, out of the norm type of contracts like condition-based bundles, um, lower extremity bundles, women's health bundles, et cetera, with um, some local county payers here in town. After working at Dell Med, what I really saw is um, I got a great deep dive of healthcare, but what I was missing was more of the business side. Since it was a public entity, um, there are aspects of it that like profit doesn't matter as much because we have, we're a public entity. But I wanted to see that profit side, that revenue side, and knowing entrepreneurial spirit, I went to go search for a startup job. Now, when I look across startups in healthcare, what I see is a lot of tech, a lot of apps, a lot of buzzwords, a lot of AI. And from being on the provider side, uh, what I saw was th that's all great. And, and kudos to the software folks who are making all that. It's going to make healthcare better. It's making our world better. But I know that I wanted something a little more close to the clinician and the patient. And so I was lucky enough to find um, a startup called Assessa Health, which is in women's health. And it's a it had a procedure, so it's technically medical device, but really its own CPT code and a procedure that was an alternative to hysterectomy for women facing fibroids. So this procedure was designed by an OBGYN and what it entailed was I joined the startup and the challenge in front of us was to change the standard of care from physicians using hysterectomy as the primary way to treat fibroids to saying you can use this radio frequency ablation device um, in a laparoscopic surgery to simply treat the fibroids like we do in liver and many other tumors instead of taking out a reproductive organ. Um, it's a laparoscopic surgery and patients can go home the same day and they get to keep their organs. That's amazing. And, and so that was what I've been doing for the past three years. And in that role as a startup, and Nancy, you know this as a business owner, you're doing a little bit of everything. Um, got to work with an amazing CEO who, who brought me on first in marketing and then um, my role kind of grew to commercial growth in general. So the revenue side of the equation, I would say on the PL. Uh, we had a sales team as well, direct in the OR. Many a days I'd uh, pull on my scrubs and go into the OR. And um, we also did a consumer driven campaign. So direct to provider and direct to consumer. And fast forward two years and we got acquired uh, by a public company. So let's, I guess every startup's dream is to have a successful e exit. And Hologic is the company that we joined um, through that acquisition. And I was asked to stay on and lead the product um, after some of our other leadership left from the startup, 
with this new huge company, 6,000 people, 220 reps uh, across the nation and bring that same passion and vision for women having more options and elevating a standard of care in a much bigger, bigger stage and bigger arena. That's amazing. Well, you answered about three of the questions I had. So that's all good. <laughs> that's funny. Um, well, one of the things that I recently made the decision with this podcast was to really focus on strong women doing good things in whatever industry they choose to work in. And clearly, I think everybody can see that you definitely fit that category and are a, a go-getter. So before we talk about um, your decision to move into um, the benefits, I kind of want to talk about um, the push-pull between treatment and sales. Yeah. Because I think this is something that happens a lot in the healthcare field in general. And it, it, it really, it really can be, you have to sell to get the product out there to help, but then they have to sell the treatment to pay for the products. And I still, I think there's a lot of push pull in the, in the healthcare industry on where is that balance? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Nancy, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I'll tell you one of something that I actually feel vulnerable about right now is going out and looking for a sales job, right? Because it almost doesn't feel connected to my value. I don't want to be selling something. This word sales makes me think of a vacuum cleaner salesman, right? right? Um, but I think what I learned from my colleagues in MedDevice who, you know, are seasoned sales reps and they don't have that same uh, maybe negative connotation with the word sales is that it's it's connected to teaching. And so sales can just be another word for teacher and the result of teaching might end up with a sale or a transaction happening. Um, and so I think what I learned about sales and healthcare is that it's if it ever was a place where it was all about the money and all about your relationship and just, you know, getting POs through the door, it's not about that now. It's just not. Um, physicians, et cetera, the whole healthcare system is focused on that that patient, you know, might not be perfect, but it's definitely a place where if you're going to get a PO through, it's all about teaching. And so I think in the terms of treatment to your original question, um, what I found is we had to really look at ourselves and know that this treatment wasn't the best treatment for every woman and wasn't the best surgery for every surgeon. Frankly, some surgeons and OBGYNs shouldn't be doing assessment. If my sister needed it, I would say, don't go to them. Um, and so we had to look at ourselves. And if we wanted every dollar, we wouldn't do it that way. Um, but we knew that we wanted to change a standard of care and provide safe women's health. So it's, it's, a, it's a tricky balance. And it starts with leadership. It starts with how are you, how are you directing that sale? Um, and what's your culture around sales versus healthcare and treatment? Because to be frank, we're not salesforce.com selling software licenses, right? Right. right. We're, we're doing surgeries or for this next field, we're, you know, delivering health plans. I, I think that's true across the entire spectrum of healthcare, whether it be a physician, a medical device, pharmaceutical, even a benefits consultant. If your motivation is correct, you're going to do good things and you're going to help people. 
if your motivation is not aligned properly, that's where we get a bad rap in this yeah. industry. I remember um, back in the day when I started and and um, was working with, I was at a different agency and was working with somebody in sales and his motto was, you eat what you kill. I mean, that was like the sales mentality. Yeah. And I, I mean, I understand the, the, the logic behind it, but that's not how I've never felt good operating that way. If somebody has a need, and I can explain it to them and help them understand how they might solve that problem. And in the result, they become my client and I'm compensated. To me, that's win, 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 win all the way around. But I'm not out there just trying to, you know, grab every every dollar because then nobody wins. Exactly. And I mean, maybe even one step further than that is also what are we selling, right? Yeah. I, think, I think we would be be naive if we said everything that's being sold on the marketplace right now is a great thing. I mean, look at the documentaries about some of the women's health, you know, devices just from a space I just came yep. from. Was it really good for women? Maybe it could have been if, if it was in the right hands, if it had the right goals, if it had the right teaching, but now there's women in pain for the rest of their lives because of mesh or because of um, different, different products. So I think sometimes, you know, we can get so caught up, in our own lane or what we know. And maybe we have to look back and say, is it still the right thing to be doing? And that's one thing I, I really appreciate from my time at Hologic is I got to step back and see a portfolio of products. And it was right. neat to understand that like sometimes you might be selling one product and it was good then and it was the right thing to do, but it's not anymore and we're gonna pull it. And it just, we don't, we no longer need it or there's something else in the marketplace that's better to do that. So when we have something better than that, we'll go back, but I'm not going to try to go get a physician to do a less, a subpar, you know, surgery um, right. with that tool. Um, I'm kind of a healthcare, health, health in general documentary junkie. So I've, yeah. I, watch, I watch a lot of them. Um, but I think that one of the, the points you made is really relevant is that we, that sometimes whatever industry it is, especially in healthcare, we tend to see things only in our lane or only through our lens without the bigger, without the bigger picture. And I see that even in documentaries sometimes, like yeah. you can only be a vegetarian or you can only do this, or you can only do that. And realistically, that's not true. Um, mm -hmm. There are different things that work better for different people. And I think when you keep an open mind to the different solutions and the different ways to approach a problem, you're going to end up with the best possible results for that particular person or situation, which leads me to, okay, so you have all this amazing background. I mean, clearly I said that, you know, I was looking for up and coming women. You are one of them. Um, you've decided that you'd really like to get involved in the actual, the benefit consulting side. So you want to move into, into the, the side that essentially I'm on right now. Yep. What kind of, what motivated you to make that decision? Yeah, so it. I was reflecting on this this week after going to Benefit Pro, and I was like, "How did I get here? Like, where where, where did all this come from?" And I looked back at my email, and I and I saw that in May 2017, so over four years ago, I donated to Dave Chase Health Rosetta Biggest Heist movie. Um, they're speaking of documentaries, right? They're making a documentary about this heist of the healthcare. And I was just enthralled by this 
heist that's going on. And like, how do people not know about this? If we're so mad about sugar, you right. know, vegetarian, right. like, look at this. This is this is insane compared to any of those, you know? And I was like, documentary, great idea. And I think I started following it since then. And I mean, you heard, I've been interested in healthcare before then, but really 2017 is when I was introduced to this. And as I followed people on LinkedIn and, you know, I'm proud of the, the intentionality that I put into my professional development, probably starting around 2017 of like, I, if, if I'm going to be working, I want to be doing something that's impactful and I'm intellectually curious about. And then that's, um, you know, in the type of environment I want to be in. And that intellectually curious part is how I got connected to reading about Health Rosetta, meeting people on LinkedIn. And I think the, the piece that really stuck out about Benefits Consulting was the idea that this, this one role exists in between an employer who's spending an enormous amount of money on healthcare and the healthcare system. And this role in the middle, this consultant has a lot of power to be able to provide options to that employer and strategy expertise to make the healthcare decisions um, for all those people. And so I don't think as the outside looking in, and I was, you know, I'm pretty deep in healthcare. I even knew that this job existed or was something that was um, something to be proud of. And I think the way that Dave Chase built Health Rosetta and you and all the other folks who have been a part of building that was a way for someone like me who was on the outside to see that, read the books, get excited and say, yeah, this is a game changing position, a role that frankly needs to be elevated as a role itself. I don't really like the term broker. Um, I so, right? I'm like, I don't want to be, I don't want that. But consultant, whatever you want to call it, change maker, like this is something that you can come in and be. And, and as I saw that, um, so that's the impact part. And then two other quick parts would be the entrepreneurial spirit. So as I got to see it, I'm like, okay, that's an interesting job, but what does that look like as a job? Do you have to be in a huge company as just one after another? Because that's not really my style. Um, I'm like a challenger. I'm, I don't always work all that great in those kind of environments. And I saw that, no, this is entrepreneurial. A lot of folks who are making big moves that, you know, this Health Rosetta movement is, is speaking about are independent business owners. So you can be a top-notch consultant and have, you know, Olympic Crest, your own business versus when I was at Deloitte, frankly, I mean, the big four strategy consulting firms of some, you know, smaller company, Elaine Horton Consulting came to bid against Deloitte for a project, but just, nah, it's not the same. But I think in this space, it's a different com competitive model. And then the third one, so impact in healthcare business, and then just the scalability of this. So I'm a, I'm a, finance background. Um, I think a lot of times women don't talk about money. So let's talk about money. Look, it's a way to be an entrepreneur to start a business with pretty low capital intensive. Of course, you need your account management. You need to have your knowledge. Um, but it's not like you need to build some crazy technology. You don't need to have a manufacturing plant. Um, you need to bring um, expertise to the table. And then not only that, but at Deloitte Consulting, and I'm doing some consulting work right now in marketing, it's project-based. But in this field, there's recurring revenue that comes from getting it done right and then building a scaling of a process. Mm -hmm. And so those things on the business side interest me and say, you know, this is a solid business case to be in this field. Well, not 
Yes, all the points you made are perfect and accurate. And I can tell you as someone who started my own business, I mean, I had very, very low capital investment. I had to buy a couple computers and a few other things and, and, you know, get things up and running, but it, and, and, but you can scale as you go, which is a beautiful Mm thing. Um, I think the thing I like most about it personally is what I think the most underrated piece is the truly the impact that you have on the employers and the members, because where else do they go? They don't know. It's overwhelming. The healthcare system is so confusing and so complicated. And even the way that we purchase it and access it is way too complicated, right down to when you go to schedule an appointment for a doctor's office visit. It should not be a rigorous interview before they even ask you what's wrong with you. The first thing they should do is say, how can I help you today? But they no longer do that. They're so concerned about what insurance company you have, who's financially responsible, et cetera, et cetera, you know, the names of your pets and the middle name of your second child, that they're going through all these screening questions. They forget to say, what's going on today? How can I help you? And I don't think that that's reflective of the providers themselves, but it's reflective of the system that has been built and how do we break that down and get it back to what healthcare was supposed to be? How do we pay for it appropriately, take out all of this nonsense? And part of that, what I just described, that process that that screener is going through, that's nonsense. It doesn't need to be there. It can be much, it can be much smoother and it can be much more relationship-based and impactful to the entire system. And so that's why I stay in it. And that's why I think that it's so important that people like you enter into this system because we can and will change this system. It's just going to take some time. Absolutely. I was just going to say, I mean, another aspect that impact that really got me excited about this is, is like you said, the direct primary care, Mm -hmm. some of these options that are available now for folks to make healthcare a little easier, right? And to have that better, that better care delivery. Um, And as I was tracing it backward, like how, okay, well, I'm a family, like how, how would I get this? It's still, it's still complicated. Like, oh, I'm going to go get my own membership that that my insurance that I'm already spending $900 a month doesn't cover. And so what's neat about this role that, that you play and that I hope to be playing soon is is you get to turn it to action. You get to turn it to actuality, not just great ideas with high value VC money valuations. Like there's a ton of great ideas out there. I mean, Maven just hit a unicorn status, you know, but, but how, how do I get Maven? You know, well, through the employer and then through a, through a consultant who maybe is opening the eyes to that employer. Who's not thinking about healthcare a hundred percent of their day. So I think that's where, you know, just look from the outside, if anyone's listening, who, who's looking at the whole spectrum, that's kind of how I saw these great different avenues in this neat field that Nancy plays in and so many great colleagues that get to connect all those dots. And if you're like me, like a little uh, ADHD where you like can't just do one thing, you know, uh, that's exciting too, right? Is like, okay, 
I don't have to just be primary care. You get to build the whole thing and then do it for multiple clients that are all going to have different needs. Um, I think that will be fun too. Yeah, I I tend to I have a little bit of that tendency too. I'm yeah. I'm all interested in something, then all of a sudden it's like squirrel. You know, yes. see something that's that's way too exciting, and I need to find out more about it. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to switch gears for a second. Yeah. So you and I connected on LinkedIn here. Mm-hmm. Um, originally, you reached out to me and asked a few questions. And then, of course, we we met at, at Benefits Pro. So what has been your experience in this particular industry? Because you're just, you know, very green, very brand new, just yeah. getting your toes in the water. What has been your experience as far as people being willing to provide mentorship opportunities, um, peer support, et cetera? How, how do you feel that's been for you? I, I mean, I think it's been fabulous. I mean, maybe uh, I, I don't know if it's lucky or just been intentional, but everyone that I've reached out to has responded back and some in in fabulous ways. Um, you know, I, I can pick up the phone and, and call folks. They immediately um scheduled Zoom meetings. If any of you follow me on LinkedIn, you probably see me name, you know, Adam Berkowitz and Rachel Miner, Rachel Means, Megan Narance, Nancy, others who um, really have spent hours, hours of their time working with me. And I mean, they have no, no, no vested interest other than helping. And, um, you know, even it, it's just been incredible. So I think tapping and knocking on the door. And then I, I will say, Another thing that helped, right, versus being like cold calling straight into it is I took um, a nice bridge was Tom Scott uh, has a master's program in health benefit design at a University of Lynchburg. So I think that paired with Health Rosetta kind of helped legitimize like what what it is that we're doing and why it can be different than just this program. And like, I don't know if I wanted to switch into that. Um, and so I took those classes and I got to meet people and kind of have that easier LinkedIn conversation, like I'm in this master's program. Can you talk to me? And it right, made it a little right. awkward. That's wonderful. Okay. So anybody watching, um, so Elaine has a sick little boy at home. So <laughs> I was like, here he is. If she's looking off camera, it's not because she's disinterested, but she has, she does have somebody that she needs to, to take care of. So you recently um, made an, a magnificent post about the importance. Of, oh, there we go. Hi, Ledger. This Can is Ledger, everyone. How old are you? Four. Four. Just has to steal mommy's spotlight. Just That's kidding. okay. That's okay. So um, you recently posted about the importance of action. Um, and it's such a big step. It's such a, it seems like an obvious step, but so many people overlook it because yeah. I think they're afraid to actually take that first action step, they spend a lot of time planning, investing, and thinking, mm-hmm. and researching. So, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll give a caveat from that strength finder. My number one strength is activator. And if you've ever connected with anyone else who's on activator, um, the it means that you're quick quick to start something. You're quick to act. So, I'm the person in the meeting who's like, well, maybe we should start just a word document to like make sure. But that doesn't always mean you're the one to like get it to fruition. So um, I think I have that innate sense of action, which is helpful. But in um, it, it's still. I, I think we just get in our own way, you know, in our head about being vulnerable with people. And in fact, I mean, you just saw Ledger, you know, having him um, at a relatively younger age, and at least most of 
my friends, um, I had them at 23. It, it really opened my eyes to, you got nothing to lose. You know, you don't have a lot to lose here. We all won the womb lottery. You know, we all live in America. We're going to be fine. You don't have a lot to lose. So take the action, um, make the, make a move. And then you don't have to know exactly the full path. So somebody once told me, Elaine, you know where the horizon is, but you don't necessarily know every single direction, like Google mapped it, how to get to that horizon. So just take it one step at a time and you'll get there. And and I think action can mean a lot of different things for different people and in different times. So it might seem like right now, oh, she's taking action because she resigned from her job and move forward. But I also took action by putting a lot of money in a savings account for a long time. <laughs> so that I could feel comfortable doing this, right? I also took action by signing up for those classes, even though I didn't really care about a master's degree at that point, you know, but I knew it would be a way to get in. I took action by buying that ticket to San Diego and making up a name on it. So action can look like these little steps, um, not just like the big ones where you're, you know, changing a career or moving houses, et cetera. Um, so you got to give yourself some some slack and some celebration for the little wins. I agree. That's amazing. Okay, so I'm going to ask you your opinion as an outsider because yeah. we're not fully in the industry yet. Nope. Um, nope. But you've been exposed to enough people. You've been at the conference now. You've done your research. You've done your masters. So what do you think, from your just personal perspective, yeah. is the biggest barrier that employers face when making a change in how they are putting together their health their healthcare benefits. Yeah, so I thought a little bit about this. So I think um, the from the outside perspective, one parallel that I see is I, I follow Dave Ramsey. I kind of mentioned how I tried to save yeah. up some money. So if you're not familiar, Dave Ramsey is a big pay off your debt um, guy and. He talks a lot about how people get wrapped up in financing tricks, like, oh, refinance your house, uh, doing a lease on your car, or, you know, all these little ways that maybe feel like you're not spending as much money. But then if you just step back and do the math, you're spending as much money. Like, do you want to pay off? You're going to pay for your house. You can either pay, you know, $20,000 of interest over it over 30 years, or you could pay it off in seven years and pay less. Like, it's just your choice. But at the end of the day, money is money and putting putting money, spending money is different than saving money. And so I think if that happens with everyday people who, who frankly don't have a lot of money, you know, or, you know, who are, who are trying to do things like just, just get by. Um, I can only imagine that that happens at a bigger scale with an employer who has such a big P and L of expenses and, pretty much lumps healthcare. Like when I did PLs and would do financial modeling, I just took salaries and added a 20% benefit yep. sticker, right? And that was it. Like it, it wasn't as big of a deal as the other expenses on the sheet. Um, and so I, from the outside looking in, I, I think from the business side and the way that health expense is thought about in a lot of companies, it's just, it's thought about as that 20% kicker. And then the second way is like, your question about why not more transparency. If if I came to the group and said, you know, this is going to be a hundred thousand dollar consulting fee for the year. This is everything you get from it. Broker B comes up and says, oh, I'm five dollars p p p m. 
Um, but then I get, he gets paid on the back end by all the rebates, but doesn't need to bring that up in the conversation. And then their claims are higher. They could save more money with me. It just, that's the Dave Ramsey thing. It's, yep. it's who has the money. And so it takes a lot more than getting it to make that change, to want to pay off your house early, to want to pay for your cars in cash. And so I would, I would imagine that the HR and the CEOs and CFOs have that same type of um, hurdle to get through when it comes for paying for a, con a transparent consultant versus paying for, you know, the, the thing that they've been most used to. You are a hundred percent correct. Um, I get a lot of, I've provided trans my compensation transparency for years. It's just something I've always done before it was ever a thing. And um, I would always give them the choice. Well, do you want to pay the fee here? Do you want me to build it in? You know, and I, I would always, and 99% of the time they would ask me to build it in because for some reason it didn't feel as good to them to have to write a separate, a separate check. I mean, I had mm -hmm. some employers that saw the, the value in doing that, right. but I would always give them the choice and I would show them how the math worked out. And I'm like, it's about the same. It's really up to you. And um, they would, they would always, you know, choose that. So I love the fact that you bring that up because um, we do see that, you know, a ton that, that that's, they're just reluctant to look at it a different way. It feels like this is like benefits are sometimes an afterthought to employers, mm -hmm. but in reality, if you look at a if you look at a PNL as a financial girl, um, you know that the cost of benefits is pretty substantial. It can right. be well in excess of sometimes key materials that manufacturers use in their in producing their products. Next mm -hmm. to salaries, it can be sometimes an employer's single largest expense. Exactly. And, and what's exciting about this industry is you get to come in and own, you know, be the strategic partner on a really big piece of the financial puzzle. Um, you know, I, I've spent time now more on the revenue side of the equation than the expense side of the equation. So, so that's a little interesting. And I get how, you know, I think in most companies, the Kobe Bryant's are the revenue side of the equation. Right, right not the expense side of the equation, but you know what? That's okay. Because I, I, the expense side of the equation in healthcare is, is people's lives and it's a big piece of money. And if CEOs and CFOs can, you know, take that, that understanding of money is money, you save it. It's actually easier to save money than it is to earn more money. Absolutely. So, so maybe we just need to rethink and recategorize in our head the importance between the revenue side of the PL and the expense side of the PL. Like a dollar saved might actually be more than a dollar earned. 100%. I love that. Okay. So we all saw, we all saw Ledger um, <laughs> head in. So I would love to know um, what it's been like for you juggling a career, you know, a family and a young child during the pandemic. I just always like to hear what, what it's been like for people because this last year and a half has been anything but ordinary. Yes. Well, at first, I'll just give um, empathy out to everybody and support between our healthcare providers, our first responders and parents, etc. Because what a year it's been crazy. And then I think for everyone, just our own, you know, mental health. And, and I mean, I have to tell you, though, Nancy, I start with that, because for me, 
it's, it's been okay. I think I'm in that perfect sweet spot where daycare still was open. You know, it wasn't kindergarten. So day, my daycare stayed open. I, I cut two hours off my commute. Um, we got acquired. So now my team is out in Boston, Massachusetts. So we definitely weren't going to be flying there every week um, during COVID. And maybe if it wasn't COVID, I, I might have had to do that trip a lot more. So I, I think I'm one of the the rare maybe the rare breed that just says like th this was a kind of a, an, a I, I didn't have a ton of hardship during it, especially other people. And, um, you know, my other friends that have a kid in that age range of like that four year old, I feel like we we lucked out because I don't know how I would have done it with him in the background. Um, I will say my husband is in education. He's a high school football coach and soccer coach down here. And <laughs> I feel like it was more keeping his spirits alive. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, this is bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> these kids are are not showing up to class, and it's just it's just a waste. So I feel like I had to tap into being supportive and like not judgmental about how he uses technology because he's just not used to like doing meetings and Zoom and stuff um, in a differently in a new way. So. Well, that's, that was face, our let's experience. face it, a football coach in Texas is pretty important. So if they're struggling, <laughs> we know that that's, that's an issue. Um, okay. So last question before we move on to the little final section. Yeah. This is kind of a big one. So okay. you're at a turning point in your career. You, you, yeah. you feel that you want to move into the benefits. What's your next step? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, oh my gosh. I'm um, I'm interviewing with folks and thinking about where where I want to land in that. Um, I know a hundred percent I want to be transparent about about my price, um, and I want to be in a spot where I can learn. Um, I've thought about hanging my own shingle right away, and I, I I think it's not a matter of if I could or anything. It's just what would be best for the clients, and I think what's best for the clients is someone who knows what they're doing a little bit and has support to fall on. And so that's, that's where I'm at, where I'm at. I'm talking to folks. I'm, um, I've got some warm leads and, and applying. So if anyone out there has anything, I'd, I'd love to talk to you. Well, anyone that's that happens to be watching now or on a replay, don't let her get away. <laughs> don't let her get away. She is going to be magnificent. Okay, so here's now we are, we're on to the fun part. So this is um, yeah. five burning questions. Everyone gets the first question, no matter what. Yeah. So are, are you ready? I am. I'm moving to my notes on it. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so just an FYI, Kim Kimberly Langford is uh, watching. She just said, "Boom" to you that you you should definitely you are a prize. So fighting over you. Thank you, um, Kimberly. Okay. So, what is your absolute favorite food in the world, and can you cook it? pizza I can but I'd rather just buy it <laughs> okay so you were definitely on the pizza vote when I did my poll <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay got it all right so um what is the one character trait that you admire most in other people and why so it's actually uh discipline or being regimented so I'd say I'm I'm focused I'm driven I'm action but I'm not I could show you my desk right now. Like I can, I can operate kind of in like a little bit of a mess. I mean, mess. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Like 
I don't have to have my pencil straight, but I love people who have to have their pencil straight. I just, it's so calming. It's so nice. And like, I just love when people like keep their pencils straight and they wake up at the same time every day. And like, I, you know, I, I'm a runner. I run, you know, and train, but I don't train at the exact same time every day. Um, and, and I've even thought Nancy, like, man, if just the world just totally turned and I, had to do something totally different or my life was looked totally different i'd consider like army or military because i think if i had someone telling me what to do every single second of the day i would just be like cool great let's go like this is this is fun to be or of so disciplined and regimented but i admire that when people have that innate sense in themselves like i'll get it done but not as organized maybe or as uh, regimented as you as some people will so I guess if I were to buy you a candle, it would be like a discipline scent or regimented <laughs> scent. I guess. I mean, like, it's not that I, I just, I just admire that in other people. Like right. when I see it, I'm like, dang, that is, that is a strength. And I think that is a very, a very cool strength to have, um, to, to be built that way. I love that. Okay. So now you get to flip the mirror on yourself. Yes. So what, what is the character trait or quality you are most proud of and why? I, I think it's a, I think it's that a mix of the developer and relator in me, which, which is about other people and how much joy I get from, from working with this, with a, a small, but strong group and like that, those roots. Um, I, I just, I love, I, I like that about myself. And I, and, you know, to your point about what are you proud of in that is something that I've grown towards is trying to increase the time between stimulus and response. So like something happens and then how are you going to respond? And, and I'm proud of, of increasing that time. And the reason is not because of the response and how I, how it affects me, but how it affects other people. Right. Right. And how, how, how your response is going to make someone else feel um, or what they're going to think, uh, that, that's all related to being, I care, I care about a small group of people. I want them to do well, relator and developer. And I'm proud of how do I get better at those two things are increasing that time between stimulus and response. I love that. That's an excellent, excellent, um, quality to be proud of. And then it's an excellent, um, answer. Okay. So if you could change one thing, anything in the world, what would it be? Uh, okay, so I didn't take this from the, the the session we were at at Benefits Pro, but at least in the United States, term limits. Like when he said that, I was like, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> like, so yes, like, come on. And maybe that would change a lot of things in the world. Um, and then as far as the world, uh, you know, it, 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 it breaks my heart what some parents have to go through to see their, their kids. Um, you know, I won't even go into it, but you know what I mean? And yeah, as I read and looked and researched, if I had to pick one thing for my little, little tiny sliver point of view on what all the problems of poverty are there, um, sanitation, you know, could really start to make a big difference is better sanitation um, options in those third world countries. I love it. Okay. What's your secret talent or something people would be surprised to learn about you? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Ledger just jumped on something. Ledger, stop. 
secret talent is I, I guess I have to be a, 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 a doctor and a mom over here. So. Well, you know, I think um, because we all understand the, the, the multiple demands on you, if you need to go, we're okay. Here, Ledger, can you have this lollipop? Thank you so much for your time. Um, again, somebody that is going to change this world, talk to Elaine Horton. She's available on LinkedIn. Reach out to her. If you can't get a hold of her, you're not connected to her, please reach out to me and I will make the connection for you. Thank you again so much, Elaine, for coming on today. And um, I look forward to, to knowing you and seeing you grow in this industry.